So I'm joined by Acacia Courtney, who's based at Gulfstream Park. And with um, lots of racing being cancelled all around the world, they're still racing in America. And we're getting a lot of their racing shown on our TV screens. And I'm going to chat to Acacia about American racing so we get to know a little bit more about it. Here in the UK, we don't normally see um, too much American racing, only when it's probably the Breeders' Cup, races such as the Kentucky Derby, the Arlington Million. We don't see too much American racing, but I thought we could ask Acacia about a few things that we should be uh, taking note of here in the UK. So, Acacia, are you actually based at Gulfstream? I am, and uh, and thanks for having me on, Chris. And I think um, it's great. Maybe people are taking a little bit more interest in American racing, whether that's by default of not having uh, anything else to watch so, or maybe just watching a little bit more of what's happening. But yes, I um, I work at Gulfstream Park and at the New York Racing Association. So I do Belmont and Saratoga as well. And uh, Breeders' Cup, the Triple Crown races, so a lot of the big stuff. But Gulfstream Park in South Florida is my home track, if you will. Yeah, and, and does it work different? It probably obviously does work differently compared to racing in Britain. In, in in racing um, in Britain, we have lots of different tracks. We have two types of uh, disciplines, jumps and flat. But is it more regionalized in America? It's not that regionalized in the UK. We're kind of like as one. It, is Gulfstream, what you say is quite, it's got its own like hub, as it were, of racing. It's got its own network where most of the people that are based down there are just based down in Gulfstream. Does it kind of work like that? A little bit, yes. One of the unique things about Gulfstream, which is I know not the case usually in the UK, and it's not in the case in many tracks even in the United States, is that Gulfstream actually runs year-round. There's only a period of two months in October and November that the actual facility of Gulfstream Park is not in use for racing. And during those two months, there's racing at Gulfstream Park West, which was formerly Calder and is only eight miles away. So it's still the same horsemen, the same, um, some of the same jockeys, some of the same horses. Now, as far as being regionalized, uh, it's also seasonal as well. So you'll see a lot of the same names of jockeys and trainers between New York and Florida. So New York runs year-round as well. They have Aqueduct, Belmont, and Saratoga. But obviously in the winter, New York is not able to offer turf racing because it's cold out. Mm. Meanwhile, in the winter, it's a great place to be in Florida. It's sunny, it's warm. So you'll see a lot of New York trainers, especially with some big turf horses, whether it's younger maidens looking for some, some bigger purses and bigger opportunities, big stakes races. Summer, maybe fall, spring up in New York and then come down to Florida for the winter. So you'll see a lot of that as well. So Gulfstream Park just had the Florida Derby this past week, a big, historically big Kentucky Derby prep race. And that was the end typically of what's called the championship meet. So for the months of November through the end of March, pretty much is the championship meet at Gulfstream. That's where, again, you'll see a lot of those big names, jockey and trainers come down for the winter to get the kind of peak seasonal racing that we do offer at Gulfstream Park. Yeah. So when it comes to, you're talking obviously about the jockeys and the trainers there kind of being based at only in this, in kind of certain regions, as it were. Uh, in the UK, we have like a jockey's championship from like a season. So like, for example, our, our flat uh, jockey championship, it goes from May 
to October and we have a champion jockey crowned at the end and the same thing goes with a trainer. Do you kind of have that same thing in America? Do you have like an American jockeys championship or again, is it quite a regionalized thing? It's not so much an American jockeys championship me or championship, excuse me. We do offer training titles, jockeys titles throughout a particular meet. So for instance, um, again, November 29th to March 29th was the championship meet at Gulfstream. Um, for instance, trainer Todd Fletcher was the winning trainer for that meet. He had the most number of wins throughout that time period just at Gulfstream Park. Arad Ortiz was the champion jockey of that meet. And then at the year's end, you will see in our Eclipse Awards where we'll honor the champion jockey, champion trainer uh, for the year. And that obviously is mostly related to wins and graded stakes. A lot of the time it's wins in Breeders' Cup races, Triple Crown races, those kinds of things. But it isn't exactly a, a challenge against one another. You will see that regionally at the particular tracks. You'll see a win for a jockey having the most number of victories in that particular meet, for instance. Yeah, I can I can see that. And obviously in in America, you race between a mixture of of, of the dirt and the turf. Do you mm-hmm. see a difference uh, between how horses perform? Do you get a lot of kind of like surface specialists, as it were? So you get horses that just focus solely on the dirt, and then also as well, they only go on the turf. Or do you get quite a few that can combine both surfaces? It's kind of in Britain, we have all weather racing, which isn't quite mm-hmm. the same as dirt. We use uh, like Tapita. We have five, We have a track mm-hmm. that specializes in fiber sand. Um, do, 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 do you get quite a, yeah, you get your surface specialist. Do you get that in America? Definitely surface specialists, I'd say more so. Um, We do have in Florida, again, a lot of the times you'll get people coming down in search specifically of turf racing. So you'll see a lot of turf races carted throughout the winter at Gulfstream Park. You'll get a lot of people coming down from New York, some from Kentucky as well, and also some from Woodbine up in Canada, and they have a Tepeta surface there. So you will see some of the horses coming from Canada that do kind of switch between some of the different surfaces. And a lot of the times you will see those horses that have been running on the Tepeta up at Woodbine, they are better coming down and trying the turf in Florida. Um, So it is interesting in that respect, but one of the nice things that um, that is offered in Florida that you don't get at some other tracks as well is that there are training facilities nearby where you have the opportunity, um, for instance, at Palmetto's Training Center, you have the opportunity to train both on the turf and the dirt. So that oftentimes dictates where trainers will place their horses. But in general, in general, you will see those horses stick with their particular surface. Of course, that there are outliers. You have a very talented horse. You uh, see him do well on the dirt. You say, okay, he's been or, he's doing well on the turf. And you say, okay, he's a talented two-year-old. Let me see if he can switch to the dirt and maybe we can get on the Kentucky Derby Trail. Sometimes you'll see things like that. Oftentimes, um, there is, though, more once you've kind of found where your horse fits. They tend to, tend to kind of stay on that surface. Yeah, I, I, it's kind of the same in, in the UK. We have an all-weather season in the winter because um, we get a lot of rain in England during the winter and the autumn and mm-hmm. early spring. Um, so our, our, our flat horses are still running, like I say, in the winter. And a lot of them are just 
geared to annual weather and when it comes to the turf season they often don't get seen because they're not as effective on it so it seems like it's kind of a similar thing in the states um when it comes to to, to Gulfstream, for example do you see again maybe referring to other american tracks it can favor different kind of horses is it would Gulfstream, for example be a front runner's track or would it be uh you'd like to come off the pace is it good to be drawn towards the inside on the outside what, what's kind what what's kind of the specialities of Gulfstream? what's the mm-hmm. best way to ride it it's a great question. I think in general, Gulfstream is known as kind of being a more early speed friendly type of track. So it's always a good weapon to have early speed and be up close as part of the pace. Um, sometimes you will see, of course, a lot of horses go to the front end and it is possible to close on the track. It's not impossible um, at all. It is a pretty fair track all in all but in general you will see horses with speed or front running styles potentially fare a bit better particularly on the turf now that's that as far as where you'd want to be drawn um it does also have to do with the makeup of the track Gulfstream is an oval obviously it's a little bit different than what you all would have in the UK where you have twists and turns and straights. And yeah, yeah. We don't really have anything like that. It's a pure oval. So mm. where the distance of the race will be dictates where the starting gate is positioned. For instance, the Florida Derby is a tricky race because it's a mile and an eighth. And that's not usually or, or nine furlongs. It's not a typical distance that we see at Gulfstream. So the starting gate is positioned actually right in front of the winner's circle, right in front of the finish line. So it's it's just about a full lap around the track. That also means it's going to be a very, very short run into the first turn. So being drawn outside, far outside is a big disadvantage. So those dirt races, you want to kind of be in the middle um, or even a little bit more towards the inside, it's possible to have a better trip. Meanwhile, if you're going to be going one turn, so say seven furlongs, six furlongs, um, eight furlongs, a one turn mile, that's going to be actually coming out from a chute. So it's going to be coming from the back of the track and you go one turn around towards the finish line. In those races, being inside, drawn inside, is a big disadvantage because those horses, as they come out of the chute, will all head towards the rail. So you want to be drawn a bit more towards the outside in those kinds of races. That's Hmm. almost about as close to a a straight as we would have because they'll come out of a chute, Hmm. go straight down the backside, one turn and around to the finish line. So it all depends on the makeup and the distance of the race. Yeah, it sounds it sounds that the tactics there might be a bit different than what it seems like just watching mm-hmm. it on the te- telly. I mean, for for example, me looking at it, not being a, a pure American expert, I would have said that inside on an able track all day long is is the best place to be because obviously you would have thought you're mm-hmm. saving most of the ground. But it's interesting to hear you say mm-hmm. that sometimes over possibly the longer trips, it's better to have. Yeah. Uh, a, a, a wider draw when it comes to the types of races you have say at golf Gulfstream, most of british racing for example is probably 75 percent of our races are handicaps but if, if you're not too familiar with american racing and you're looking at the card in the uk you're seeing a lot of claimers and a lot of ma- maidens how how does the like the claimers work out there can the horses be brought after the race um how how does it all work with like those kind of um those races 
Yeah, it's interesting. Claiming races and just the claiming game in general are a big backbone of American races. You see a lot of smaller trainers really making their livelihood off claiming. So what can happen is that a horse can run for a certain price pad. For instance, um, if you look just uh, on the second race on the Friday card at Gulfstream, it's a $30,000 claiming race. So you have a couple of horses that have been running against allowance or type of uh, almost handicap type races. And it's called a drop in class when they go in for the $30,000 tag. That means that another trainer can look at that horse and say, I think I can do something with that horse. They can drop a split. They can claim that horse for $30,000. But it's not just related to the claiming price. It's also related to the level of competition. So a $30,000 claiming race will be significantly tougher than a $15,000 claiming race, for instance. So that's where you also have to look at the claiming tags um, as not only, again, how much you can potentially purchase that price for, because yes, you'll see horses being claimed in and out of races, but it's going to be really, really rare to see every single horse of that race get claimed. It's really an opportunity to find a good level. Now, as far as maidens go, that of course is a, a horse that hasn't run a race before. Maiden special weight is going to be the highest level. Um, you can also run against state bred maiden competition. So if that horse, your horse was bred in Florida, you can run against strict Florida breads. You don't have to deal with um, Kentucky breads, New York breads, any of those other horses. You can just run against state bred competition, which sometimes can also be a little bit more of a softer spot because it is, again, a smaller pool to choose from. If a maiden special weight race is too tough for your horse, you can drop them in for a maiden claiming for 50000 then a maiden claiming for 25000 and so on. So that also has to do with the level of competition. It can be horses that have won before, and it can be maiden. So there's lots of different levels of claiming, but basically it, it starts from the lowest and all the way up to, to the grade one competition. Mm. Of course, those horses wouldn't be in for a claiming tag, but but it's all about the level of, of difficulty as well. Yeah, so so those maidens uh, special weight races, is that where mm -hmm. we is that where we would see, for example, a horse starting out if if the connections thought it was good enough to go into listed and graded races? Is that kind of yes. the pathway they, they would go? Yes, absolutely. Um, typically the kind of a tactic you would see for a stakes bound horse would be starting in a maiden special weight race. Um, if they've won very, very well, they may go right into to a sort of listed stake or even integrated company, which would be rare. But um, the next logical step might be an allowance type of scenario and then on into stakes company. So a maiden special weight is going to be the highest quality of horses that have not yet won. Uh, and and also as well like claimers for example um in our in in our um country of racing we have our horses have handicap marks and i've noticed mm -hmm. looking at your car you, the cards in america you also have uh, ratings for your horses now in britain if a horse is doing well they'll be put up the what we call the weights and um they'll get a higher handicap mark because uh, they're trying to basically stop the horse winning the handicapper they're trying to make it a level playing field um, mm -hmm. is, is that something in America that can happen if a horse is maybe doing well and like claiming races, they can, they can, it might not, they might not been running at like a high 
grade in the early part of their career, but they can maybe develop through like the grades and get into those better kind of races. Is that is that can that happen in America? It's kind of rare to see a horse that's been running in claiming races uh, go on and then end up competing at a much higher level. You can see some horses maybe if they're um, from a smaller barn and they're ending end up being claimed by a high percentage trainer that's able to improve the horse. You then may see them um, go on into uh, some higher competition. There certainly have been cases of it. Um, one of my favorite examples is a horse named Starship Jubilee. And I don't know if anybody had ever uh, followed some of the greatest stakes in Florida over the past couple of months, but she's been a spectacular turf horse and she was claimed for 16,000 and she's now a grade one win. Um, in, in uh, at Woodbine, so she's she's been a spectacular acquisition, and the, the connections just got very lucky with her and saw something that the previous connections had not. But that's a rare case. Um, for instance, if we go back to the same second race, the thirty thousand dollar claiming today, I was mentioning as far as a handicap might go. In general, you don't see too much about that. I know many. Uh, people who follow races and wager on races in the U.S. actually don't even really pay much attention, hardly at all, to the weight. Uh, it's not so much of a thing here in the U.S. as it is in the U.K. Uh, as far as making a level playing field. But one thing that does happen, for instance, the conditions of this second race is a, a $30,000 claiming a race for three-year-olds, and the weight is 122 pounds, unless you haven't won a race since March 3rd, in which case you're allowed two pounds. So the horses that haven't won in about a month are given a little bit of an allowance in that way. Yeah, so this kind of, I can see there that resembles maybe mm-hmm. a bit like British racing, for right. example, that we have horses in this country, and you probably have the same in America, where they don't win for two years, and then all of a sudden they change mm-hmm. trainer, and then yep. they, they, get, they spark a bit of life into them, and then they go... They, we, we we say they go up about 20 pounds up the handicap and they're, they're back to like kind of where they were in their original peak so yeah, that's kind of uh, an interesting that america can 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 do that too when it comes to racing coming up because hopefully america can still race during this uh, difficult period um what, what kind of good races have we got coming up in america um is there any more graded um action to come at Gulfstream throughout the next couple of months or so there's not in the immediate future um as i had mentioned we had just wrapped up the championship meet so florida derby day with 10 stakes last saturday was kind of the peak of it now we are in an interesting scenario because um keeneland isn't running uh some of the other New York tracks are, are not running for the immediate future. So there are still a lot of horsemen with high-level horses down in South Florida who are stable there, who um, are looking for a place to run. So I'm not entirely sure what what will happen as far as that does go. Um, as you might have heard, the Kentucky Derby was postponed from May to yeah. September we haven't had word yet uh, about the Belmont and the Preakness, about where those will be, but um, kind of once things get back to normal, of course, 
um, in the spring and summer, we will see a lot of those big graded stakes return. And uh, Gulfstream Park is owned by the Stronic Group, which also owns Maryland Racing in California as well. So um, some big California races, including the Santa Anita Derby, have just been rescheduled. And um, so we'll look forward to some Santa Anita graded stakes still coming up as well. And then when we do get a chance to run the Preakness, that in my mind is probably the most fun race of the Triple Crown. So if you're still watching American racing at that time, of course, the Kentucky Derby is exciting, mm. but Preakness in the middle, horsemen say they love coming there. They love um, getting a chance to be part of the races. It's still a big classic race. It's a, a thrill and an honor to win it. But I feel like there's almost um, being in the middle. It's just more focused on the fun and the party and the excitement about it. So that's definitely um, a big race I'm looking forward to. And um, maybe talking a bit more about British racing now, but in, in America, is there a following for British racing? Do you watch some of our big meets? We got Wesley Ward sometimes comes over uh, for yeah. Royal Ascot. He'll send a, a couple of um, his two-year-olds that have got um, good records. I think Lady Aurelia. I uh, was one of those horses in recent times that's that's come over that springs mm -hmm. to mind. Um, do, do do Americans watch British racing? I would say Royal Ascot is probably the biggest one that that gets attention. I think now a lot more people have seen the success that Wesley has had, and I think a couple of years ago uh, when Mark Cassie sent um, Pepin uh, to Royal Ascot and how phenomenal she was. Uh, so I think now a lot of people are kind of looking at some of the yearling sales as potentially an opportunity to find a good horse for the following year that potentially could go to Royal Ascot. So I know that that's been an exciting opportunity as well. Uh, so that's been a little bit more appealing. And I've also seen, as I work at the, the sales as well, I shortlist at some of the sales too, I've seen a lot more interest in um, the sales a scenario in in the UK as well, and and potentially buying some more horses from Britain uh, and France, even to come over to the United States. So there has been a lot more interest, I would say, recently in that. Um, I'm somebody that's always been interested in, in international racing. I'll admit I haven't been to to Britain yet, and I've always wanted to go to, to Royal Ascot, but I've been to Hong Kong and Dubai, so I've gotten to see some of those jurisdictions and have always been interested in it personally, but uh, but I would say Royal Ascot is definitely the biggest one that Americans do take note of. Yeah, Royal Ascot is, is obviously the highlight of our flat season. I would mm -hmm. personally recommend, um, that's probably me being a, bit, a little bit biased, but uh, Glorious mm -hmm. Goodwood, that's one of our other major festivals. I heard, yeah, I've heard that's great too. Yeah, it's probably the most, uh, it's up for debate, but a lot of people would agree in England that Goodwood is probably the most picturesque course in the country. And it's a shame, I don't recall any American, uh, Wesley's never um, sent any there that I can think of. He sent uh, some up to uh, York before. Uh, but we have our Ebor Festival, if you've ever heard of that. Um, but yeah, it's a shame that some of the American trainers maybe don't come to some of our other other big festivals. But it would be uh, great if they did. And it would just make um, the racing a little bit more competitive and give an extra uh, mm -hmm. edge to it. Um, but yeah, that's all we've got time for this week. So um, thanks, uh, Acacia, for giving us uh, more of an insight on um, US racing. And um, yeah, we'll be back soon. For more episodes, don't forget to subscribe to our SoundCloud account and you can follow us using our handle on Twitter at InTheSaddlePod.